1: Welcome to Episode 7 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast. I'm
0: Ben, and I'm joined by my co-host, Drew. Thanks, Ben. Uh, each episode we will sample beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight.
1: We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information.
0: And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or stream each episode on wannabewalkons.com.
1: On this week's episode, Drew and I will sample beer from Canyon Lakes Brewing Company in Johnson Lake, Nebraska. We'll provide our thoughts on nebraska versus illinois and we'll look ahead to the big reds matchup against the fordham rams i'm ben and i'm drew and this is wannabe walk-ons Well, Drew, I know yesterday didn't feel like a win because it wasn't a win, but I did want to hand it over to you Uh, on a previous episode. We asked our listeners to send in whether or not they'd rather win silver or bronze and you won that debate. Crushed it. You yeah, crushed yeah. it's putting it lightly. Seventy-eight percent of the votes we received went to silver.
0: Yeah. It feels good. It feels good to chalk up a win Does after it? yeah after
1: yesterday. I'm owing too. So. <laughs> it's sitting pretty bad on that one. Yeah, you got kicked while you were down. Yeah. But I do wanna I do wanna point out something that one of our listeners sent in. Okay. Um, so one of our listeners and a good friend of mine, Caleb, he voted for silver. But he also sent in this. Now, he's a commissioner of a fantasy football league, which is uh, a very thankless job. But he wants to change the fantasy football payout in this league to the following. So the regular season scoring leader gets their money back.
0: Okay. That's nice to get a reward for
1: your your season. Third place gets their money back. Second place, nothing. First place, rest of the pot. And his reasoning, he sent in his reasoning. Okay. If you win the game to go into the championship, you're going all in. And after championship week, the winners of the two games win money. The losers don't. You don't get to finish the playoff season on a loss and still win money for it. Boom. That's my point exactly. And I, and I
0: hate that. No. because Okay, but the third, the third place team gets their money back, but they lost the week before.
1: Yeah, but they didn't lose the last week of the game, which is basically the same thing. So I'm switching Caleb's <laughs> vote from it's silver so to bronze. So Caleb, I know you're listening thank you for switching your vote. I I really appreciate it. I
0: hate that. I would get out of that. If you're in that, if you're in Caleb's league, get out now. It's actually a really good league. So
1: (laughs) let's, let's move right into the fun stuff on the episode. Today, we're going to be sampling from Canyon Lakes Brewing Company in Johnson Lake, Nebraska. Canyon Lakes Brewing Company is owned and operated by husband and wife duo, Michael and Jessica Bliven. Michael, who also serves as brewmaster, was kind enough to share some information with us about Canyon Lakes. Canyon Lakes Brewing is named after the Four Lake Complex in the Lexington-Cozad area that was constructed in the 1940s as an irrigation project, but they could have also named themselves Storybook Brewing Company because they have a very sweet hometown romance. Michael and Jessica grew up together and started dating when they were only 16, and after high school they moved to Lincoln to attend university and wound up making Lincoln their home for eight years. After they got married in Lincoln, the Blivins moved to Colorado where they spent time exploring Colorado's diverse craft brewery scene. After 12 years in Colorado, the good life called them home and the Bliven family now doubled in size with children Terrence and Freya, returned to the Lexington area to be closer to their extended families. Michael, at the time, was an avid home brewer. That's kind of an often refrain we get from a lot of these craft breweries in Nebraska. And he grew accustomed to the brewery scene in Colorado, but he found the closest microbrewery to be about 45 miles away from home, which is just, it's unacceptable. It's a long drive. Yeah. So rather than racking up a large yet responsible Uber bill, Michael jumped into action Calling on his experience in restaurant management and his degree in the culinary arts, the idea to open Canyon Lakes Brewing Company came to be. On June 19th of 2019, Canyon Lakes Brewing Company opened their doors, offering the Johnson Lake community a craft brewery that served lunch, dinner, wine, spirits, and 12 handcrafted beers. So a little history on Johnson Lake, which is literally across the street from Canyon Lakes Brewing. I mean, it's Canyon Lakes, their parking lot a street, and then it says Johnson Lake Recreation Area. It's, it's in a perfect location. Right. Johnson Lake was named after George Johnson, who conceived the lake project in 1915, saw it through construction in the mid to late 30s, and eventually retired as the lake's general manager in 1947. Johnson Lake is widely known in central Nebraska and beyond for its cabin living, excellent fishing, camping, boating, and water sports. Now, water sports became popular at Johnson Lake in the 50s and 60s with the introduction of a larger 50 to 60 horsepower fiberglass boats in the lake. Lake residents reported that it seemed like everyone was learning to ski in the 60s. I wish I could have been there to see, like, someone go, oh, there's Ched. He's our best skier in the lake. He can stand <laughs> up for three and a half seconds, sometimes four. And Mary over there, she's second best. She doesn't scream when she crashes. <laughs> there's also a very popular trail around Johnson Lake known for walking and biking. The Johnson Lake Chamber of Commerce provides a map with various rest stops. Nothing in the world is better than letting people who name horses name other things. So some of the rest areas around this lake include Cosmo Way Rest Area, Spud's Rest Area, (laughs) By the Pines Bench, can you guess where that one's at? (laughs) Uh, And Jeffrey's Bench. Okay, all right. (laughs) Johnson Lake draws visitors from all across the state and country to Canyon Lakes and packs the brewery in the summer months. But Michael praises the supportive local following, including plenty of regulars that keep the brewery going in the winter. Canyon Lakes is known for their rotation of lagers and IPAs, but also explores the world of stouts, porters, and sours. Michael's driven by a sense of adventure and experimentation when it comes to shaping the beer menu. You can find more information on Canyon Lakes Brewing Company by visiting CanyonLakesBrewing.com, stopping by their brewery in Johnson Lake, Nebraska, or try their beer at one of many festivals. Uh, They'll be set up at the Western Nebraska Craft Beer Fest in North Platte at Powell's Brewery on September 18th, so you can definitely get a nice sampling there while also supporting a Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild-sponsored festival.
0: I always like to hear stories about people who kind of leave home, they do a little sojourn, they go out, they learn something, but then they always come back, come back to where, you know, where the heart is. Yeah. And then they bring something back with them and it's special.
1: Yeah, there's something to be said about this being the good life and, you know, nothing else like it. It's not for everyone, but the people who start out here come back and there's a reason for that. Yeah. So Drew, why don't you tell us about what we are drinking from Canyon Lakes?
0: All right, yeah, we are drinking the Corn Rose Light Lager. It's a, just it's a it's a small beer. It's four percent ABV. It's a pale yellow, bubbly, and familiar. Everything you'd expect from an American classic. Plus, it's only 150 calories per pint.
1: After the amount of beer and pizza I consumed yesterday during the game, <laughs> yeah. the 150 calories per pint is is a welcome addition to my metabolism.
0: Yeah, doing doing something good for your body. Yeah, this but, feels healthy. Is, yeah. <laughs> In mentally and physically. Yeah. This yeah. right now feels healthy. This is probably the right beer for the moment. You yeah. know, it's, yeah, it's like I said, small ABV. So, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get hammered. You might not let the, you know, the emotions from yesterday, get the best of you today yeah. while you're drinking this. It,
1: it makes sense then that we're going to have the, the barrel aged stout after we talk about Illinois, before we talk about Fordham. <laughs> exactly, so we can exactly. Get our hopes right back up.
0: <laughs> hey, we're here to ride that roller coaster. Oh so, yeah. Absolutely. And so what do you think of the beer? I really like this. Um, you know, my first impression from it was that it was it was really sweet and actually reminded me a lot of a, a blonde ale. Yeah. So, yeah, familiar like a lager, but it's still interesting and different. And I think it tastes wonderful. I do. Really too. interesting.
1: This is this is, again, one of those beers that you kind of seek out for your friend who's not a big craft beer drinker, but you guys want to go out and be able to enjoy a craft brewery together. This is like, hey, here's your good introduction. Give a go here. I'm going to go get the Mule Skinner Brown Ale or I'm going to go start with maybe a, a, a whip beer and, and kind of. Fill my palate that way, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a really nice introduction, a really good first beer of the day.
0: And if you if you have to go to a, a brewery with a, somebody who doesn't normally drink, but you want to sit down for four hours and and really explore, then you know you can hand them a few of these at four percent, and and they can sit back and enjoy it and hopefully be a little more patient with you while you go out there and and look for other things.
1: One of the other things that's really nice about Canyon Lakes, they have a full menu. I mean, that lunch and dinner is no joke. So, I mean, you can sit down there, you can have a really great meal, you can sample beer. And the facility itself is kind of historic to Johnson Lake. The building's been around since the 70s, but they fully renovated it. It's absolutely beautiful. Everything down, like the exterior paint on this building, I know is a silly thing to maybe focus on, but it's this beautiful, like, gray, blue, just calming. And then they've got this crisp white sign that says Canyon Lakes Brewing on the front of the building. I mean, everything down to just the littlest detail. They did a wonderful job renovating that space and giving that to the Johnson Lake community and to the Lexington community. Yeah, it's great. It's a great spot. It's a beautiful building. They renovated it perfectly. And Michael and Jessica greeted me as soon as I walked in. They're like, are you Ben with the podcast? I was like, yeah, how'd you know? He was like, Not a lot of people come out here and take <laughs> pictures of the building. <laughs> You look like a guy
0: who would have a podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So moving on from talking about Canyon Lakes, let's get into
0: talking about this Illinois game. Drew, I'm going to let you start. <laughs> Last week, you, you got up on a soapbox a little bit with the, the investigation and stuff. Yeah. If you don't mind indulging me for just a moment. Go for it. Lend me a few, lend me a few minutes and a little bit of attention. Or I tune will. out. I don't care. But <laughs> with <laughs> I gotta, pleasure. I got to say something. Okay. There's not much that that hasn't been said already, right? But I do want to say, we have an established rule, you and I, sort of, that we don't tear players down. Correct. Like, we're not here to tear down this team, and we're sticking to that. Yep. I feel awful for these players. Yeah. I want them to be successful. I want them to be rewarded for their hard work. I think most everyone who's listening and sitting at this table knows what it's like to work and work and work at something, and you just never quite get things right, or things don't break your way, or... You don't get out of your own way. And that's just part of life. Sure. But I think we also know that people who are persistent and relentless, who don't stay down when they get knocked down, and who learn from and move past their failures, those people are rewarded in a big way for their efforts one way or another. For this football team, and maybe even for Scott Frost at Nebraska, I don't know. But at least for this team, I don't know if their reward is going to come in the form of winning. And as a fan who cheers for them and wants them to be successful on the field, it's a bummer, but as a fan who cheers for them and wants them to be successful off the field, I hope that they're learning something from this about their perseverance, and I hope that it pays off in some way, shape, or form down the, down the line in their life. And I think it will. I, it's just, it might be as fans, we don't get to see that. So um, I just want to say I love this team. I'm I'm just excited to watch them the rest of the year. I still believe that they can be successful this year. I think they can win games. I'm also a very gullible and optimistic fan, um, and I own that very much. So I'm okay with the way that I see them because for me to be the opposite, it would be depressing. Yeah, and it would fly in the face of everything that I love about being a Nebraska football fan. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. Just want to say that, like, probably we we're gonna pick the team apart here and there, and I, like they've heard it from all angles already in the past. You know, not even what 24 hours, but as we do so, any like poking fun of it or self-deprecating humor, like it's it's all because I'm deflecting a lot of <laughs> negative emotions. But I do like I love I love this football team, and I and I and I want the best for these players. So.
1: I do love this team as well. And I want them to succeed. And the season is nowhere near over. There's still 11 games left for me to cheer and holler and root and yell and do all that stuff and to enjoy great beers and to have great Saturdays and a, and a great Friday at the end of the season. Like All that is still ahead of us. So let's get into talking the specifics about the game itself and the different facets of Nebraska football and Illinois. And let's start with special teams. So Drew, let's start, let's start on a positive note. What positives do you have from Nebraska special teams?
0: One name. Brandon
1: Frankie. Brandon Frankie was yeah. a monster yesterday. Yes.
0: This dude, so he comes out of Gretna High School as a goalie for their soccer team. He's got one year of football under his belt as a kicker at Morningside. He came into Nebraska this summer and happy Gilmore'd his way to four touchbacks on six kicks.
1: He had a great game. He really did. He came out. He did his job. He booted it far. He gave Illinois a starting field position average of behind the 25-yard line. So those touchbacks were huge. We talked about that last week, that that's going to be key this whole season is getting touchbacks and forcing long fields and not giving them a chance to return. I think he's only going to get better throughout the year as well as he gets, as he gets a feel for the game.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I don't I don't think that's something that goes away. I think that's something that Nebraska says, "Hey, we can hang our hat on this guy. Yeah, we've got a kickoff specialist,
1: and you can have confidence there too, right? So mm-hmm. you can really let your your kickoff coverage barrel downhill because hey, if they do take it out, they're gonna be pretty far back. They're gonna be deep in the end zone. They're gonna give us that head start. So as long as he continues to hone that skill, better himself on those kickoffs, I think Brandon Frankie's gonna be someone that we can confidently rely on. And then looking forward to the next year and the year after that that he has with Nebraska, that just has me even more confident on kickoffs.
0: Absolutely, and that's yep. something
1: that you can you can feel good about. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's kill it now. Oh give man, me negative. My negative is punting and its field position. And I know there was plenty for us to talk about when it comes to the special teams for Nebraska, but the punting kind of bothered me, especially because I focused on it last week and and one of the keys to success was starting field position off of punts. Illinois averaged starting from their own 33.8-yard line yesterday off of punts. Serenity didn't have the best kicking game. The coverage wasn't terrible on the kicks, but as far as how far the ball flew, whether it was in the wind or with the wind, they wound up having only about 65 yards to go for pay dirt Versus Nebraska having a starting field position of their own 15. And that 20-yard difference is huge when it comes to trying to get momentum for your offense. When it comes to trying to help your defense out on a day where it's 88 degrees outside, but it feels probably damn close to 95 or 100 on the field. That was a big pain point for me, watching the punt team not execute and get Illinois backed up further. In their own territory. Yeah.
0: It was hard to watch. And it's. It, I think it was compounded by the fact that Illinois' punter was so good. Oh, my gosh. And so it was just a night and day difference. That guy has a golden leg. Yeah. And we knew that, right? Like yeah. Everybody knows that Illinois' got a great special teams unit. Well, yeah. And we joked about it last week that they've practiced it
1: a lot because in the previous seasons they <laughs> had to kick a lot. Well, clearly they practiced that shit in the offseason as well because they executed those kicks those he was putting those in the corner Mm -hmm. on the one yard line it wasn't like down in the middle of the field where you can shimmy and shake your way out of it they were pinning pinning with a capital p it was hard to watch it really was but it was also beautiful to watch
0: it was it makes you think like man like you know if we could have that again
1: yeah good on illinois for executing a really solid special teams so what what do you have as as kind of your negative or your opportunity for Nebraska?
0: Oh, that's a good way to let's spin it. Yeah, here's an oppor- opportunity. Here's an opportunity okay, we'll for Nebraska. Them, it's,
1: they're no longer negative; they're opportunities. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Connor Cope has an opportunity to not go one for three moving forward on his PATs. Yeah. This dude was supposed to be Mr. Solid. This was supposed to be the guy that we could count on. So it's disappointing not to see him make those kicks. You get a touchdown, you're, you're riding a high, you've got momentum, and then you miss a PAT. And it's like, that's a little thing. It's like a little, it's one point, but it, sure. it just kills that moment.
1: It's just a little bit of air out of the
0: balloon. Yeah, right. like just enough. And it happened twice. And so and then it points to the, the bigger picture and the bigger issues that they're having on special teams is you can't take, stuff for granted that you should be able to take for granted not in the slightest it, it again emphasizes the
1: importance of special teams because now what's in your head when you're trying to go down and win the game well a touchdown's not enough we got to go score a touchdown and we got to go for two
0: oh yeah and by the way we have trouble in the red zone as an offense getting in the end zone so yeah. two-point conversions aren't going to be a specialty uh, so that was mine was opportunity for connor Culp to get back on to his 2020 form
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a wide open opportunity. Again, it's a long season. So I don't think these are going to be issues and probably the hardest person on Connor Colt is going to be Connor Culp himself because he knows those are kicks that he can make in his sleep.
0: For sure. Well, and and if you want to look at it as a positive, like his his mistakes, I guess, and and Ctb with the the safety, those yeah. are guys that you don't expect to make those mistakes. Sure. So it's frustrating when they do, but it's also a good thing to think if they're not going to do it again.
1: You know, the Cam Taylor Britt safety, I think, might actually speak to a bigger issue on this team: is that they rely a lot on specific individuals as opposed to really, really having it be a team sport. And I, and I love the fact that Cam wants to be in on every single play. He wants to be in on the offense. He wants to be in on the defense. He wants to be in on special teams. And he wants to make an impact. He is a lockdown corner. He's an absolutely fantastic corner. And, and I love that drive that he has to want to be a part of every single down. But you also got to wonder, is that more because the staff doesn't have someone that they can have faith in on a punt return? Or is it because they think he's the best athlete to do that? And so I kind of have some concerns there, where it's like maybe we're not doling out enough responsibility across this whole team, as opposed to relying on guys who we think are studs or the only guys who can get the job done here.
0: That's a good question. Without, I mean, without knowing, like, without knowing, yeah, no, absolutely, who they tried out back there and, and all that, it's hard to say. But you do see that, like, you, you saw that with Wandale, where they like they found a a great athlete who mm-hmm. could do it all. And they made him do it all, right, to the detriment of the team and to the detriment of, of
1: Wandale. Well, to me, too, that takes away from creativity of play calling is you're always focused on these guys. And then for a defense, you say, OK, we don't have to worry about these seven guys. We just have to focus on these five. And and then it becomes 11 on five. So I don't know. That's that's not a question that I have an answer for either. But it just kind of comes to mind as like maybe there's some issues here on trying to have our studs be the guys as opposed to letting this whole team move forward as a team. I don't know. So. Getting away from special teams, we'll clean ourselves of that. Let's talk about Nebraska's defense and Illinois' offense and how that played out. So what uh, what positives do you have from the defense yesterday?
0: Okay, so I narrowed it down to one stat, and that was three sacks in the first quarter, Yeah, which included two from Feldarius Payne. That opening quarter with that energy from that defense, especially up front, and the way that they were attacking, they were stopping runs behind the line, they were getting back there and getting to the quarterback, like that was fun as hell to watch oh yeah we've been waiting all like all offseason and they came out there with that energy it matched our you know our energy as fans and they like our excitement and just like that had me you know jumping up out of my seat as the game went on we saw that dip we saw their performance dip we i think their energy dipped a little bit too but i think in general what we've seen from chanander's defenses is that over the year they do get better Mm -hmm. and so i'm really excited to see what they look like in november
1: yeah This is an area where I get to come forward on my positive for the defense and say I was wrong. Last week I said I think if Nebraska shuts down the run game, then we win the game. Illinois ran for 160, 167 yards. I mean, it was not a huge game by any means. They've run over 200, over 300 yards on Nebraska in previous matches. And our defense really shut down that run game. What Bielema did really well and what his offensive coordinator did was they adjusted the run to bring in more jet sweeps and to go attack the edge as opposed to try and go Mm -hmm. up the middle. But I think where Nebraska really struggled was when Brett Bielema got into his lead and he knows how to coach with a lead. Mm -hmm. And their time of possession, I think, really weared down on the defense. And that's an opportunity with conditioning. And as you say, kind of the, the season going on and getting better as the season goes on, I think that's something where you start to manage your own personal energy better. My big stat was about time of possession and Nebraska not having an opportunity to make too many adjustments. In that first half, Nebraska's offensive time of possession was a minute 48 on average, whereas Illinois was almost three minutes. So there's an extra minute to rest. There's an extra minute to coach. There's an extra minute for guys to get geared up for the next set of downs to make their own mental adjustments as well to evaluate themselves. And when you flip that on itself, our defense just didn't have a chance to rest. It didn't get much better in the second half. Right. Nebraska was at 2:30 on their average time of possession and Illinois got a second better on their time of possession. So Nebraska just didn't have that chance to regroup and, and keep that energy that you were talking about in that first quarter. Mm-hmm. Bielema just, he coached a hell of a game. The offensive coordinator, uh, he coached a hell of a game. They started to attack Nebraska on those edges and the defense just wasn't prepared for it.
0: Yeah. The other, my, I guess my, my opportunity, it comes from the the second, the second half, the, the first sure. drive of the second half where they gave up 75 yards on 14 plays and a touchdown yeah they had an opportunity to make a stop but sitkowski ran for i don't remember nine yards oh yeah that was uh, it was just a backbreaker right like
1: some more air out of the balloon
0: yeah and then the and then the the catch by i think their tight end forward in the end zone with wide open you know the linebackers bite on the run fake and they they get that score to start the half to really expand that lead coming out of the halftime especially after having given up that touchdown off the the scoop and score mm-hmm. going into that half like that's just that one hurt that one hurt a lot especially for uh, when you're counting on your defense to carry your game yeah. you know you need your defense to to button down and and really carry the team here based on the way the offense performed and they just didn't show that
1: i think you make a great point about that being a backbreaking drive that was a very well-called drive. They put together exactly what they needed to do. They started to show different looks on offense, and they started to take away what was so effective for Nebraska in the first half. They, they took away, again, talking about those A-gaps and running it down the middle of the field where Nebraska was able to penetrate from the from the edges. Um, they just took that away from Nebraska. They started jet sweeping. They started getting speed built up, and you take like a guy like Garrett Nelson, you got to take his speed and play it against him, and By doing that and getting a guy out in motion out past him before the ball's even snapped, I mean, yeah, that's going to be a huge advantage. So I think going into maybe next season against Illinois, not to look that far ahead, Nebraska will be more prepared for what they can bring to the table. But when Nebraska's trying to prepare in the dark, yeah, I think we knew what they were going to do in that first half. And then when they made their adjustments, man, that, that was some masterful work.
0: And that's the scariest thing is that this is a new coaching staff that's able to come in, establish their game plan and then come in against Nebraska and make adjustments on the fly during a game and really take control of that game in a lot of phases. And Nebraska doesn't do that. Four years into, like, that's what's so hard. And, you know, and Frost is still young and I'm, I'm in his corner. I think he's going to learn. I mean, I, he's a smart guy who works his tail off. So, I, like, we'll get there, but that, like, in the moment, it's, it's so frustrating just as a fan to watch that and say, like, like, why are we not, why are we not able to adjust? No,
1: that's a very, that's a very fair criticism where you feel like Nebraska's not making the changes they need to change. So
0: let's yeah. talk about offense now. Let's get to the point where we can wrap up this Illinois game and let's talk about it. Yeah, we the don't offense. need to dwell. Okay so my so my positive for the offense I've got a stat line of just 6 103 and 1 and that's Oliver Martin's yeah. receiving line so last year, Nebraska had one game in which they had a receiver go over 100 yards, and we've already got that in the bag here. And so it was cool to see it be Martin. He came in as a transfer last year, not quite as heralded as as Torre and, and Manning were this year. And so it was nice to see a guy that kind of find a home and find a spot on this team.
1: I think I saw a stat where he was he's caught a touchdown for Michigan, he's caught a touchdown for Iowa, and now he's caught a touchdown for Nebraska. And I don't know if there's any other player who has caught a touchdown for three different teams within the same conference. Huh. He's a yeah. special talent and yeah. he seems to have been overlooked at, at other stops. And I think that it's great that Nebraska sees him for what he is. He did a great job. He was open quite a bit of the time. And I and I also think that those wide receivers that we had, they were open quite a bit of the time. I think Nebraska's offensive line held up well enough for Adrian to complete more passes. And and I think that's a, a common frustration that a lot of people are saying, right? He went for sixteen for thirty two, so he went fifty percent, which is not Adrian. Yeah, that's not typical of him. He's typically a high 60s or low 70s percent completion rate, and he missed some wide open, wide open guys. But Martin did a great job of hauling in some difficult passes, some downfield passes, and it was nice to see a down the field pass attack where we had some successful completions.
0: Yeah, and it's nice to see it come from from him also because then you think, okay, we still have Manning and Torrey. Yeah, who you know if they play like we expect them to play, then you know what could this offense look like?
1: I will say too that. Having Volkeleck back, I think, will be huge whenever he gets back in for the run game. Yeah. Um, and that'll make some improvements there. Maybe get Austin Allen a little bit more open. I can only imagine that Allen was maybe taking over for some of that blocking that Volkelect typically fills in. And then you had Hickman filling in for Austin Allen's route running. So I'm sure there's some things that'll improve there as well. I think the passing game's only going to get better. But yeah, yeah Martin was definitely a high point in that game. He had a he had a great game.
0: Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you got?
1: So for my positive, it's a simple number, and I'm turning a negative into a positive on this one. Okay. And that was Nebraska only had one turnover on offense. Yeah. You know, Adrian came out, and, and he had a difficult fumble at an inopportune time. Yep. But Nebraska wound up with an, with an even turnover margin. You know, We got one turnover, should have been two, but I don't want to necessarily get into officiating because that's all bullshit. <laughs> if if <laughs> officials ruin the game for you, you weren't, you weren't bound to win the
0: game. Here's the thing. So we'll get into it right now. Like, there was a borderline call. It wasn't a um, late hit. It was the, the, that he drove him into the ground. Sure. But like at the same time, like in a replay, yeah, you see it. I don't know. In the moment, I honestly, I think it's because they had already had an injured quarterback. Right. I think that played into it. And then the taunting afterwards didn't help. And that's the part that's the inexcusable. Yeah. I didn't see it. But if you get called for taunting, you probably did. You probably did. It was probably yeah. something you did that no, you should have been doing. Nobody
1: saw the taunting.
0: No? Okay. No, no. On all the
1: replays, I, I never saw the taunting.
0: I mean, either either way, right? Like, Nebraska can survive that. Like, that's that shit happens. It just happens. It happens right. in every single game. And it's either going to be for you or against you, but it's going to happen. And if that, like, you can't point to that one play and say, man, if that didn't happen, we we would have won that game. Yeah. It's like, no, no, you wouldn't have because you still gave up that safety. You still missed your PATs. You still overthrew people in the end zone. Like, oh, yeah. you had a million other ways to win the game. It, it didn't boil down to that one thing, yeah. but I just
1: I just want to hone in on the fact that you know last week we talked about certain things. We talked about field position off off kickoffs and trying to get touchbacks. We talked about limiting turnovers. We talked about limiting the run game for Illinois and. I just have to say that as far as my positives go, we did a lot of those things. Yeah. There were other stupid bonehead mistakes that happened throughout the game where you get frustrated and you go, man, that's why we lost the game this time. I just wanted to, to say on a celebratory fact, like those were positives. Only having one turnover in a game when a team is turnover prone, especially, especially, and I can't stress this enough when there is a late-in-the-game charge to try and make something happen, Nebraska didn't make stupid mistakes coming down the stretch trying to win the game. There was one where it was almost intercepted, but that wasn't necessarily a bad throw. That was a great break by the defender on the
0: route. Yeah, if they have one or two more turnovers in that game, they're not playing to win at the end. Correct. And everybody wants improvement, yep. so there's your improvement right there. Yeah. Was it was like, yeah, we lost, but we had a chance. Absolutely. We didn't, you know, we, we played our way out of it, but we, we didn't play our way so far out of it that we didn't have a chance at the end
1: yeah I mean I kind of agree with that we were down three touchdowns so I mean we we had a big mountain to climb and and one of those touchdowns did come off of a turnover so it was a very costly turnover Mm -hmm. but last year Illinois scored 17 points off of turnovers this year they scored seven we had four last year we only had one this year great I think that's that's some improvement and that's worth celebrating
0: yeah cool
1: so let I'm I want to start with what I think is negative about the offense and I and I'm going to just go. Okay, <laughs> I'm just yeah, going to tell you. Yeah. And that is, I was so pissed off to see us get away from the run game.
0: I think we're in agreement here. Yeah.
1: I mean, we didn't even give it a chance. Yeah. Didn't give Irvin a chance to get into his groove. Didn't give Step a chance to get into his groove. Didn't see anything from Sevian Morrison, even though he traveled with the team. And then we saw Ramir Johnson late in the game. And it's like, so you don't know who your starter is. Because if you're going to have three different series with three different running backs where they're featured backs, but you don't even give them the ball and you don't give them a chance to try and find that rhythm, especially early in the game. I would have much rather seen us go three and out, trying to run the ball three damn times instead of, you know, run, run pass or whatever the sequence was. Right. And that's really frustrating that we're trying to build this culture. And you're, you're talking all off season about how the pipelines back and how we've got these big guys and they looked good. They looked big. They were giving Adrian enough protection throughout the game. sans those five sacks or some of those hurry ups but they didn't even get a chance to get into their own rhythm. They didn't get the chance like Illinois did to build up that confidence. Yeah. And so that really frustrates me is that Nebraska didn't give the run game a chance, which is how you beat a team that's coached by a guy like Brett Bielema. You got to control the clock. You got to control the tempo and you got to control the line of scrimmage.
0: I agree. That's my, my stat was 2.68. Cause if you take away the 75 yard TD run from Adrian, that's your average yards per carry 2.68, And Martinez ran more than than anybody else yeah he did not he was not efficient either like I'm, I mean I'm sure sacks come into play there like as far as your yardage total but he was not like that much better in this game than if he had been handing the ball off to a running back sure and he took some fucking hits yeah and and again like you said like you don't give you don't ever give other guys a chance to establish rhythm you don't give your your offense a chance to establish an identity. You don't give yourself a, a chance to control the clock. You don't give your defense time to, to rest. Like it's It was frustrating. Yeah. It was frustrating to hear all offseason about all these running backs and then not get to see them featured. Right.
1: We didn't take advantage of that energy the defense was bringing and really shove it in their mouths. They did that to us. And they, that, that's that's why this loss... Doesn't feel good.
0: Yeah. Well, and they, they, the other thing is they stuck to their game plan too. Like it wasn't like they were, it wasn't like they were popping off huge runs on it. Like they were not beating us big time in the run game, but they still stuck to it. And then they, they let their quarterback make efficient passes. Yeah.
1: I think Brett Bielema is going to be a pain in the ass at Illinois. And I think Illinois is going to be similar to a Northwestern where they're going to make runs. When, when he establishes and gets his guys, they're going to make runs on the West, and they're going to be a team, maybe like a Northwestern or an Indiana, that every few years they got a team that they're maybe projected to win, get second in the West, and they wind up winning the West because he knows how to coach. He knows his identity and he can
0: recruit to that identity. So that's fine. We don't have, I'm so, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm getting so like worked up again. That's okay. I so, felt like I had gone through my five stages of grief, but apparently I'm still in anger.
1: So. So okay. Drew, I have one more thing, and that is, do you have any game MVPs?
0: I do. I want to. I'm going to hand it off to Art Sikowski. Yeah, um, came in cold off the bench. You know, not expecting to play. Didn't have like. Didn't have a. You know, didn't have an outstanding game. Didn't blow everything up. But 12 of 15 for 124 yards, two TDs. Didn't turn the ball over. This dude. If you want to talk about a turnover machine, you stick him next to Adrian Martinez, and he's gonna he's gonna like blow you away. He's got so many INTs on his career. He didn't do well the last time he faced Nebraska when he was at Rutgers. Um, There were all sorts of reasons for this dude to come in and fail. And he absolutely did the opposite. Yeah, He lived up to that moment. And so good on him just playing, playing the game, playing to the game plan. Sure.
1: I had Blake Hayes as my MVP, the punter for Illinois. The dude went out there and for the branded, his ass off. I mean, he just put the ball exactly where it needed to go. He put them in positions to win. He put their defense in excellent positions he put nebraska's offense in terrible positions it was just an impressive thing to watch
0: punter the the guy that was punting for illinois is very impressive he was my runner-up but um in this in this world apparently if you're second place it doesn't mean shit so (laughs) you don't (laughs) get to win that bronze baby
1: (laughs) all right so let's wash our hands of the illinois game and let's move into talking about another beer from canyon lakes how does that sound all right so the next beer that we are drinking from Canyon Lakes is their Dark Ages Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Stout. This is a bourbon barrel aged stout that starts its journey as a big imperial stout, and then it is aged in fresh dumped bourbon barrels for several months. Drew, what are you thinking on this yeah. beer?
0: Yeah, this is this is definitely a big one. You know, for me, it's it's got a lot of that spice and and yeah. I, I found some prunes in there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like a coffee or a chocolate or that right. rich roasty that you normally yeah might find, but deep
1: fruit. Real sweet, mm-hmm. real palatable. Yeah, it, so it, it just
0: it stands out on its own in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah. To me,
1: if you would have told me this was aged in a rye barrel, I'd believe you because it has a mm-hmm. lot of those spice notes, and I think that might come from the fresh dumped bourbon as opposed to letting it sit in you know a dried out cask or something like that. So it's yeah. it's really picking up a lot of those spices. it kind of has a good bite to it, but it doesn't have the kick that you might expect from a, a whiskey barrel aged beer. It doesn't give you that heat from the alcohol. But it does give you a lot of those spicy bites to it.
0: Yeah. And I think it picks up a lot more of the bourbon than the barrel itself. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great point. For sure.
1: Yeah. It's a very smooth drinker. I I really like it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's the one thing that's kind of scary with the bourbon barrel age is you get some that that are so hard on that alcohol, like so hard on the on the liquor, and they don't they don't really blend well. With mm. the beer itself, you got to have that, a good quality beer going into the barrel yeah. to get one coming out.
1: When they say it's a, a big Imperial Stout, you can really taste the fact that it is a solid Imperial Stout going on mm-hmm. there. But it did lose, we kind of talked about this, it lost some of that creaminess that you might expect from an Imperial Stout. But it replaces that with that good bourbon flavor.
0: Yep. Yeah. So very impressed. Yeah, I'm absolutely. impressed with Canyon Lakes yeah. overall. So
1: I, I look forward to going back and not just having beer, but having a full meal there and having a nice experience. They're right out of Lexington. They're about 10 miles south of Lexington. Be a good place to go in the summer, but also to support them year round. Absolutely. So before we move on to Fordham, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska.
0: The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer industry provides over 4,000 full-time jobs in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local, small business, and that's something that's important now more than ever.
1: So if you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information.
0: You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting Nebraska.beer. Alliances are the hot thing right now, so join it.
1: So, Drew, I officially give you permission to put Illinois in the rearview mirror. Thank you. I I need that. I need that. Yeah, because I'm going to do it myself. And let's (laughs) let's move forward into talking about Fordham and and look forward to the future. Um, So the Fordham University Rams, hailing from the Bronx, New York, travel to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, to take on our University of Nebraska Cornhuskers. Kickoff is scheduled for 11 a.m. on Saturday, September 4th. It will be broadcast on the Big Ten Network. Nebraska is coached by Scott Frost in his fourth season as head coach. The Huskers come into this week one matchup with a 0-1 and record after a loss against Illinois. Fordham is coached by Joe Conlin in his fourth season as head coach and is 8-18 eight and 18 as the leader of the Rams. So how are you feeling about the offense going into the Fordham game?
0: That's a great question. I feel like if it wasn't Fordham that we were going into, I would feel terrible. But I feel a lot better knowing that we have an actual game experience at home. And a chance to fine tune everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Sure. So what what I'm excited for, what I'm really looking forward to, is just to see some big plays that I think are that the team's gonna pop off. I think they need that. I think they need to see, you know, the big sixty yard touchdown. Yeah. Uh, you know, the run the the running back breaking through on a big hole from the line. Sure. They just they need to develop that confidence. They need to fine tune. The finer points of the game, yeah, and I think that's this is the perfect opportunity for that. So I'm excited to kind of drink in some of those those big plays and and you know just see some good coming out of them. I know they're empty calories, but it's still fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a similar feeling when it comes to the offense. I think it's important that they do have that tune up that you were talking about, and that they get back into a groove and they get their confidence built back up because the game at Illinois kind of shot some of that confidence down. And I wouldn't mind seeing them go to a really vanilla play call where it's a lot of run, it's a lot of trying to bust those big 60-yarders, it's a lot of trying to have the big play, and it's a lot about getting hats on hats and really focusing in on your scheme, your blocking plan, and making sure that the team is just executing those X's and O's the way that they're supposed to, heading into a more stout competition against Buffalo, and then looking into Oklahoma and starting back into the Big Ten play with Michigan State. So I think you've got the right competitor going into what you need to do and what you need to focus on. And not to speak down to Fordham, because I'm going to share some stats that might shed a little bit of extra light on what they're capable of. But I think that that's the exact opponent you need in this exact moment. I mean, I'd love to see them pitch a perfect game coming off of Illinois and showing us that they can do that. That they can stick to a game plan and that they can find an identity. Uh, That's not something I necessarily talked about in Illinois, but that was a frustration that there was no identity for Nebraska's offense. And I'd love to come out of the Fordham game going, oh, okay, I know what this offense is now. I know what they're going to be moving forward, and I know how teams are going to... Either lose to them or have to beat Nebraska by destroying that identity. Yes. So, what do you have as far as a stat line for the Fordham, uh, the Nebraska offense against Fordham?
0: So, so I'm I'm looking. I'm still looking back at Illinois, even though you gave me permission to forget about him. But it's the it's the only stat I have for this year. You know, it's the only game I have to look at. So, they gave up five sacks against Illinois. So last year, Nebraska never gave up more than three in a game, and those five sacks are the second most in a game since Frost took over. The last time they give up more than that was Colorado in 2019 when they gave up six. I want to see the offensive line clean that up. Yeah. When Martinez is under pressure, if he's not finding his open guys, that's when we see those mistakes happen. Um, We see a lot of the scrambling. And so it would be nice just for, for Martinez's sake to feel comfortable in the pocket throughout this game.
1: And I also think it's important knowing that he's had difficulty with injuries to stay clean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it stay safe because I I want him to have as many opportunities as possible to lead this team and to succeed with this team. And the best way to do that is to stay healthy. Yeah, And so avoiding sacks or hits that are unnecessary is the number one way to do that. Yeah. My, my stat line for this game is actually very similar. And that's focusing again on turnovers. This is another game where you just shouldn't turn the ball over. There's no excuse to have turnovers in this game. However, in Fordham Spring League... They only played three games in March and April. But in those three games, their defense had three fumble recoveries, eight interceptions, and two defensive touchdowns.
0: Damn. So the fumble recoveries are, you know, they're a little bit luck. But the eight INTs? Yeah. And two defensive touchdowns in
1: three games. That's impressive. If you told us that every three games we're going to get two defensive touchdowns, you'd think, man, this is a really solid defense. So, yes, it's an FCS opponent. Yes, it's not someone that's on the same tier of talent as Nebraska. But this is a team that's capable of doing that to offenses that they play. So it's not that you're just going to have kind of a pushover on that front. They're still going to come in. They're going to give you their best. This is their biggest game of the year. They're playing. They're playing a power conference school. And we talked about it in our previews. They've been known to throw some upsets. I don't think they're going to. But I still think that Nebraska can focus on not having turnovers against a defense that does predicate themselves on trying to create turnovers and trying to create havoc. So by limiting the sacks, limiting the amount of tackles for loss, and and staying away from the turnovers, I think your offense gets to build some confidence going into the Buffalo game.
0: I like that stat a lot.
1: Yeah, you just you can't ignore them. You can't ignore the fact that you're still playing a collegiate level team, mm-hmm. regardless of what conference and their talent and that sort of thing. They're still an opponent, and you have to focus on them because they are capable of doing some damage. Yeah, in three games.
0: Which maybe who knows? You know, I don't think anybody said this. Were we were we overlooking Illinois because we were scared of this Fordham secondary? No, <laughs> I don't think that in the slightest. No, okay, I don't no. know.
1: Um, but I'm just saying you can't overlook for You can't. You can't You can't overlook anybody.
0: Not not because I don't think Nebraska can overlook them because they should be worried about losing, but overlook them in the sense that you're you're missing an opportunity Absolutely. to play a clean game. Right. Like, Indulge me
1: for a second. Okay. In college I played a lot of guitar hero. <laughs> I'm serious they hang in there. Okay. I know you're serious. I'm not doubting that. Okay. That's okay. it. I just played a lot of guitar hero in college. <laughs> No, okay. uh, but there were certain songs where even a 98% feel like you didn't play the song well. So there were certain songs where you should be able to complete it 100% accurate. This is that kind of a game yeah. where you're failing yourself if you don't go into it to say, we are the better team and we should be pitching what we consider to be our perfect game.
0: Right. That's a great analogy, but it. I wonder if it doesn't undermine your credibility. <laughs> I wasn't very good at Guitar Hero, but there were like two
1: songs I could play perfectly. Which ones? It was a Weezer song. Oh. Say It, I, it Ain't So, I think oh, I could yeah. play.
0: I like Say It Ain't So. That's, I like Weezer. But yeah. yeah.
1: Shout out to Matt. Another avid listener, but also a big Weezer fan. Yeah.
0: He's going to name his next kid Rivers. Is he? He is Better now. than naming his, his
1: <laughs> next kid River. Better than naming his next kid Weezer. Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, we love oh, you. All right. Uh, so let's let's move on from Nebraska's offense and talking about Nebraska's defense. Um, what are your feelies on uh, Nebraska's defense okay. against Fordham?
0: I still like like I said earlier. Like I still feel really good about this defense. I'm excited for them as players to have a home game with fans in the stands. I'm excited for them to feed off of that energy, and I I hope Nebraska fans show up. I don't. I hope fans who are there bring that energy for them. And and I'm excited for the players to 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 get experience that, especially after last year. I want to see them eliminate and negate the explosive plays altogether. Kind of like what you said with the turnovers. Nebraska's offense should not be turning the ball over. Nebraska's defense should not be giving up explosive plays. That's what I'm looking for. I want
1: you to get out of my head because a lot of the things that we're talking about in <laughs> this Fordham game are very similar. So you're should- talking
0: about... I don't want to interrupt, but we've been doing this under Frost. It's the same shit. It's like, of course, we all have the same reaction, but yeah.
1: anyway. So when it comes to my stat line, for me, my, my big goal is for Nebraska to have more Havoc plays than Fordham has points. And I count a Havoc play as an interception, a fumble, or a sack, mm-hmm. uh, or a tackle for loss. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can put that all together. But Fordham is very good at holding onto the ball. in uh, In that spring season that we talked about, they only had one interception per game and only .66 lost fumbles per game. I kind of looked back on Nebraska FCS opponents, Bethune-Cookman obviously being the most recent that Nebraska's played. Nebraska managed two interceptions and one fumble recovery against Bethune-Cookman, which was ultimately successful. But Nebraska also turned the ball over two times against Bethune-Cookman. I want to see the defense really focus in on those havoc plays because I know Shenander's defense is predicated on creating turnovers, right? You're going to bend to the point to where you give yourself an opportunity. You want the the opposing offense to run plays because that gives you an opportunity to turn the ball over. I want to see Fordham turn the ball over because Nebraska is wreaking havoc on their quarterback. He's making errant throws. They're getting, Overpowered at the line of scrimmage, and the running backs are getting slammed by linebackers rolling full steam. I want to see Williams come in and make more hits like he did. Oh yeah, off off the the edge. edge. Oh my god, that was good. Yeah, yeah, I that felt good. Yeah. Okay. See, there's there's
0: silver linings there because that's one of those things. Like, yeah, you say that, and like instantly, I like that image returns. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) So not all lost. So that's
1: where I sit. Is is I want to see havoc on the defensive side of the ball. You want to see the limitation of, of big plays. I think those two play in together really well. Yeah. If you're creating havoc and you're limiting big plays, you're giving this defense an opportunity to succeed the way it was designed. Yes. And, and so, again, you've got a, an opponent like Fordham who you should beat, who you'll be disappointed if you don't pitch perfect game against them. So take this opportunity to really focus and say, no, there's no reason for us to prepare any less. If not, we should be preparing more than we did for Illinois for this matchup.
0: And prepare for fucking them to line up differently. Yeah. <laughs> adjust. Like just know that, that they're gonna do that. They will throw yeah. in wrinkles. Because that's what they're giving me other wrinkles. Will do. <laughs> they're giving me <laughs> I'm so stressed.
1: Okay, so for special teams, what what do you got? Make PATs? <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> no man, I'm not gonna I'm done kicking Connor Cope. Special teams gives me zero feelies. They've got me completely dead inside. We all know, we all saw it. We all know what's up. Yeah. So there's no sense for me to add um, to that noise. So I will say that I'm not excited for anything, but I'm eager to see how the team bounces back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see some punts returned. Yeah. I mean, I would just like to see some punt coverage. I'd like to see... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if special teams blows one up against Fordham and they run one back because, again, you're focusing 100% on trying to do 100%. Yeah. So you could potentially see one where a ball gets ran back. You could see where guys are like, okay, this is our opportunity against live competition to just be perfect. So that way when the competition is a, an extra step faster, they're a step stronger, we still know how to be perfect and we still know how to execute. So I think there's an opportunity there.
0: And an opportunity, I think... For- for the punting game to give the coach, coaching staff a reason to be confident, to say, like, "Well, we're in this field position, we know if we don't convert here, we can, we can put the ball on your foot and you're going to put it down inside the 20. Right. And then we can count on this defense to hold hold that offense. And, and it's a complimentary game at that point. Sure. So that's all I want. That's all I want. I just wanted to see a special teams game that's complimentary to the rest of the game. All right. It is now time for this week's Sportsman Sip. Before we reveal our predictions, we'd like to raise a glass to our opponent and sample a beer local to their university. That's a, that's a good sound. Nice, that's beautiful. This week, we are sportsman sipping Brooklyn Lager from Brooklyn Brewery in Brooklyn, New York. Say Brooklyn one more
1: time. Brooklyn. That's the stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Brooklyn Brewery describes their lager as a dry hopped amber that changed the world, which is fitting for Fordham as their program led the way for broadcasting and televising football games. A move which still defines the way college football conferences and alliances are structured.
0: So, cheers to Brooklyn Brewery and cheers to Fordham University.
1: Yeah, cheers. Uh, we, ting. <laughs>
0: We're drinking out of cans. I mean, good luck hearing us. Cheers. Um. Uh, any thoughts on this beer? It's just a good, solid beer. Yeah. And the hoppiness is right. Like, it's it's weird to hear about a hoppy lager. Like yeah. That's almost... Um, I don't know, not an oxymoron quite, but you expect it more out of like a pale ale. Yeah. So, but yeah. It's, I think it's just
1: good. I mean, it's just a beer. Yeah. They said on their website that this is the beer that changed the world, and I could find zero resources or zero pieces of information as to how it changed the world. <laughs> it's a, just a bold statement. Yeah, it's yeah. like, this is the beer that changed the world. Yeah. This
0: was the best practice I've seen since I've been here. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, so now that we've uh, possibly earned a little respect from Fordham, let's completely destroy any and all of that goodwill with our predictions.
1: So when we went through and did our season predictions, I had Nebraska winning against Fordham 49-10. to After the Illinois matchup, I did decide to change that prediction just a little bit. I still have Nebraska winning over Fordham. Don't worry about that. But uh, here we go. So Nebraska gets off to a fast start and does not relent. Fordham coming off a brief three-game season in the spring and no 2020 fall action – isn't prepared for the speed and violence of Nebraska's defense, which I can still attest to after the Illinois game. Fordham's past first offense is quickly taken off schedule by an effective pass rush. QB Tim DeMorant is hurried on more than 50% of his passes, and the secondary has his receivers covered tighter than Scott Frost's lips on vaccination percentages. Turnover sacks and three and outs for days, baby. Nebraska's offense controls the day with an aggressive yet vanilla run scheme. The play calls are simply left, right, or middle and the pipeline earns their post-game muchachos burritos. Touchdown after touchdown for the offense with the occasional field goal once the 3s come in in the fourth to relieve the 2s. Nebraska rebounds 44 to 9.
0: I like that prediction all around. That's kind of what I that's kind of what mine.
1: I'm going to throw out there is. though that you predicted 56 to 10.
0: I put up some big numbers. Whew, yeah, and I adjusted a little bit more. Okay. A little bit more. I can't wait um, to kick back and hear. Yeah. A <laughs> sip on the beer that else. changed the world. All Brooklyn right. Lager. <laughs> All right. Here's the prediction that's going to change your world. Here's the fun fact Rams have curled horns that weigh up to 30 pounds, more than the rest of the bones in their body combined. False. <laughs> True. But did you know? Yeah. <laughs> Heavy is the crown, and who knows that better right now than Scott Frost. While Rams are known to bang their heads together, not unlike football players, Frost is known to bang his head against a wall thanks to his football players. There's no overnight cure for what's ailing this team, but there is a $500,000 pain reliever being shipped in from the Bronx. It's been 66 years since the Fordham Rams played an FBS team, meaning we will witness not one, but two historical streaks come to an end on Saturday. We will also witness one damn, two damn, three damn, four damn touchdowns in the first quarter. Samori Torre is going to have everyone saying, give me Samori that, as he takes the top off the defense for a 60-yard score to open things up, and the first team defense will pitch an opening half shutout thanks to three INTs that'll have Ben thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. As Nebraska fans try to enjoy the victory, the familiar dread creeps in during the fourth quarter when we realize... This might be the only one we get all season long. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Nebraska rolls 42 to three. Nice. Yeah. I think the, I've tempered expectations on this offense. Yeah. Scott Frost against Bethune Cookman put up 28 points in the first quarter. Right. With a team that was one in in six at the Mm -hmm. time. So I, I don't think we'll struggle. Yeah. I think we'll see some good things.
1: That's my biggest question is how many points do we put up? I think we can keep Fordham under 10 points, but mm-hmm. I'm curious how much does Nebraska put up, and I think that, that you need to be able
0: to see that they can score. Yes, you do. It's it's going to be a whose line is anyway. The points don't matter, but how you get them matters. Yeah. Nebraska needs to do it with an identity.
1: We've talked about it this whole preview. We just need to see 100%. There's no slacking off on this game. You've got to turn around and prove that, hey, we know how to execute. We've got a game plan. We have an identity unlike other years. It's not the quarterback run that's not going to win us games. And then the defense just gets to turn out against yeah. uh, an opponent that's an inferior.
0: Yeah, and and I'm going to call it right now. I, I predicted three, three interceptions in that first half. Cam's going to have two of them. I like it. Miles Farmer's going to have the other one. Ooh, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Before we say goodbye, we want to give you another chance to win our season-long prize package, including a game-used Nebraska football and local brewery swag.
0: <laughs> did I say boo <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm not doing any more Looney Tunes. For this week's entry, email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with your score prediction against Fordham. Remember, only one entry
1: per episode and you don't have to be correct to win. If you're a new listener or haven't entered our earlier episodes, you can do so until we give the prize away.
0: Just make sure to include your first and last name in your email entry.
1: That does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation.
0: Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe walk-ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Canyon Lakes Brewing Company at canyonlakesbrewing.com. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation.
0: Tune in next week as we sit down and sample some porters and stouts from First Street Brewing. Brewing. (laughs) That sounds like from like Super Mario World. I was going to say Sonic. (laughs) when (laughs) When he hits the... Oh, God. Tune in next week as we sit down and sample some Porters and Stouts from First Street Brewing in Hastings, Nebraska. Share our thoughts on the Fordham game and preview the Buffalo matchup.
1: Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.